gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back here on a Thursday morning for your Thursday morning delivery. That's right. We're doing it right now, not the night before. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot to talk about, but i got to imagine most of it is based on UFC 280. It's fight week, bitches, like we used to say in the past. And we have a lot to talk about. Press conferences, media day, all in the books. So we'll talk about that. Jumping over to Bell Tour. Another top organization in May. We're going to talk to one of their fighters, Fabian Edwards, the brother of Leon Edwards. Fabian's a middleweight at Bellator. He's got a fight coming up. And big news coming out of Asia, John Lineker, one of the champions over at one championship. He's still fighting. Don't worry about that, except he's not fighting to defend his Bantamweight title. So we'll tell you all about that when we come back. It's MMA Junkie Radio again on a Thursday, October 20th. So we'll get to Fabian in just a bit, goes when we talk to him. And I do want to get the housekeeping out of the way. One of the stories is one championship, and then that way we can kind of go on a nice run of everything going down in Abu Dhabi. Uh, All right, so John Lineker missed weight, and this is highly disappointing because if you recall, folks, he used to compete as a light, uh, sorry, a flyweight here in the United States for the UFC. So that's basically step on the scale at 125 pounds. And if you recall, he was a contender, like, he was legit, you know, and he had that knockout power. So who didn't love them? Some John Lineker. But he just couldn't get past the scale consistently enough. So the UFC moved him to Bantamweight. And guess what? At Bantamweight, he ain't bad. He's got some nice wins at Bantamweight, including Rob Fon. I know he's one of them. I think Marlon Vera, somebody else. He's got like at least two or three nice skins on the wall there too. But eventually he had some weight cutting issues there. And then eventually... They parted ways. So he goes over to one championship, all right? So problems at making the scale at 125 and 135 in the UFC. Success all the way around. Nice fighter, great fighter. Doesn't speak a lick of English, but whatever. So he goes to one championship, and he competes as a bantamweight there. Except if you'll recall, over there, they use the hydration testing, which means you don't have to actually step on the scale at 135. You're still a bantamweight, but what they're doing is they're allowing you to kind of basically weigh what you would normally weigh as a bantamweight on fight night, which is in that area of 145 pounds or basically the next weight class up. That's that's why sometimes you'll hear us refer to an atom weight, but then in topology it'll say a straw weight because technically they are weighing in as a straw weight, but they're regarding it they're regarding at uh, regarded as an atom weight who just hydrated up. I, I applaud one championship for doing that honestly, but here's the thing, folks: he couldn't make 145, <laughs> so like. Literally, uh, this guy's killing his own career in a way. He's been stripped of the title. He still gets to compete at one championship on on, uh, Amazon Prime 3. So he still gets to compete, but he's not defending his title. Now, I don't know if that has to do with pay-per-view points or anything, but still, come on, man. Who wants to lose the title over half a pound, right? Uh, Pretty much everyone else made weight. 
pretty much everyone else. There's a few others that didn't, but this guy's the headliner. So he doesn't make weight. His opponent, Andrade, he did, and if he wins the fight, he becomes the new champ. Lineker, at this point, is not the champ. He's been stripped. If he wins, he doesn't become the champ. He's just not even eligible at all. He will win or whatever. How does this hurt him in the pocketbook? 20%. It goes to the opponent. So not not a good last few hours for John Lineker goes. And then going forward, I guess he's fighting to kick someone's ass, but he ain't going home with a belt. Mm-hmm. There's so much to unpack. I mean, I guess his excuse is that the scale in his room was different than the one downstairs. But, fuck, I mean, haven't we been hearing that one for years? Like, at that point, hasn't everybody said, forget the one in your room, always go to the official one, right? Isn't that what Burt Watson used to say? So, to me, that's not an excuse. Um, One championship did all this to save fighters from that trauma that your body goes through of having to cut that water weight. Uh, they can't do any much more here in this situation. Like, if you're still missing on that, then you're really just not taking things into consideration. You just don't care. And so, and it sucks because, you know, they put confidence in you. Uh, this is a big deal for them, this Amazon deal. And for you to kind of fudge that up, they can't be happy right now with John Lineker. And and where else is John Lineker going to go? Everybody else hates him. So, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, you can only go. I know he's got that power and he does do well. Trust me, I know this. He's in our rankings because I've seen it. He's got a really, really good resume at 125 or 35. He'll never make 125 again, I imagine. That, that's done anyway. But when he was there, he did well. At 35, he did well in the UFC. And of course, he was the champ up until a few hours ago at one championship. But yeah, like, man, he's just his own worst enemy, man. Um, This guy's just. Yeah, that's enough. There's really not much more to say. Watch the fight, folks. It's tomorrow night. The card starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And be on the lookout for an interview we did we did with Lee Bivens, a young 20-year-old prodigy. People are talking big about her. And uh, she's going to be competing on this fight card. She's debuting. and But I'm hearing she may have had trouble with the scale as well in regards to the hydration testing. So I guess I can give her more of a pass. It's her first fight. It's 20 years old, still getting it together maybe. I don't know. Usually you, you almost don't want to give anyone a pass. That's kind of just your job. But mm-hmm. whatever. It's not to the magnitude of what John Lineker is going through right now. But it's odd. It really is odd. It, it's like if I go into the DMV for my driving test and I know how to do everything but park. You know, wouldn't they just kind of look at me and go, well, that's kind of like a big thing. Eventually, the car has to stop. How do you not know how to do that? Yeah. Um, it. You know what it is, goes. Do you remember when we would do the show at Mandalay Bay? You'd always get there 30, 45 minutes early. You were never late. You were there so early that whether you had a blown tire, traffic, uh, you know, they're working on the road, any sort of a detour. You took it all in account. So you're the guy that never made weight. Or sorry, never missed weight. Professional. Count on you. You know what I mean? No one's ever going to take any 20% of your purse. And I'm the guy that would get there with like a minute to go, three minutes to go, five minutes to go maybe. Because I always felt like, oh, yeah, that's how long it that I'm, I'm John Lineker, kind of skirting along. And then every once in a while, I'd call you and say, start the damn show, man. I'm stuck in traffic or whatever. And um. And that so twenty percent of your purse. That's why I can almost identify with him. He he's skirting around what's necessary, but 
you know, not, 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 um, he's pushing the limits, right? Yeah. I mean, like there wasn't anyone to take 20% of my purse or my belt or whatever, but I, I'm trying to give an analogy, uh, of kind of like just, you know, you were, you, you were GSP in that regard, you know, and I'm more like John Lineker. It's funny. You bring that up this morning. If you guys follow GSP on Instagram, every morning he's doing some kind of ice bath, some kind of different workout. And and I saw it again this morning. He was doing something push-up related. And all I could think of is this is why nobody has anything bad to say about this dude. Because he hasn't fought in a long time. And he's still taking care of it. Like, it had nothing to really do about fighting. It had to do with him and how he takes care of himself and his attitude. It didn't change for fighting. A lot of fighters, it changes for fighting. And they go, I can't wait till I'm done so I can start doing blank. He doesn't have blank. He's just a machine from day one. That's like the mindset you have to be if you want to be considered a guy like GSP. For him to miss weight, I think like if you read that John Lineker story, he'd probably throw up and go like, "How? what is this guy thinking? What is he doing? What's going on in his life? But but really, like take a look at some of these greats and what they all have in common. And it's that work ethic. And I think John, John Lineker probably has a decent work ethic, like, but I think he does only what's asked of him, what's necessary. I don't think he pushes it. If GSP gets his full eight hours of sleep, maybe even nine, then wakes up and does the cold plunge, right? The ice bath, the cold plunge or whatever, few calisthenics and stretches, then goes and has his oatmeal for breakfast, and then he takes a warm shower, and it's barely 8 a.m. Think about how good that dude's feeling, dude. He mm-hmm. must feel like he could probably win a decathlon at the Olympics or come back and kick someone's ass at the UFC because, you know, like he's just taking care of himself, you know, like the the, the, the engine's running smooth. I sound like Trevor Whitman, Whitman, but you know what I mean? Like that, that little, he's literally a Ferrari at 8 a.m. at that point. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and the most of us are like, uh, I got to warm up for five minutes. Hang on. Start me up, you know. Anyway, all right. So there you go. That's the latest over at one championship. Now let's circle to the UFC. UFC 280 is this Saturday. Goes and I are hosting a watch-along at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Notice I didn't say 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, because everything starts way earlier in the day. I can't emphasize this enough. This will be the last time you hear from us. On Junkie Radio, I'll be posting it on social media. But get it through your thick skulls. They're in Abu Dhabi. It's prime time over there. But for us, we make the adjustment. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That's when the featured prelims are. Four of them, approximately. All right, because there's not there's not like an official start time to it. They're just running early prelims, featured prelims, all kind of in one shot. They're not separating them like they usually do. We're gonna jump in around nine and kind of time it. So sorry, yeah, 9 a.m. We're going to time it so that we can watch four prelims with you and then the five on the main card. So a total of nine fights. The uh, pay-per-view starts at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Remember, if you already get in the pay-per-view, watch along with us. And if not, then allow us to be your eyes and ears. We'll tell you exactly what's happening in real time. You don't have to look or read anybody's play-by-play. You don't have to look and refresh somebody's Twitter or anything like that. We'll tell you what's happening. Anyway. All right, folks, uh, let's see here. Oof, I didn't like that email. Um, where were we? Am yeah, I going to uh, like yeah. it? No, 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 you're not. 
So I, I we'll read it in a second. But UFC 280. So there's the watch along info. They've already had open workouts uh, out in Abu Dhabi, and that was fun. I never really liked the open workouts too much. I think it was more to generate and stir interest in the local community of where they were, that city. Anytime there was remaining tickets left or whatever, people would see it. Maybe it's their first time ever seeing an MMA fighter do a workout or whatever. And then they'd basically be done, huddle up, do a scrum with the media and say a few things. And, of course, it got us headlines, and that's great. What I do like, though, is pre-fight press conferences, especially when they all sit there on the dais and then they do the pose-offs, the face-offs, excuse me, I like that. And so there's some pretty good interaction. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video, you'll see the whole thing was about 45 minutes long, 10 minutes of intros, so maybe more closer to 35 minutes. But there's some good interaction between TJ and and, uh, Dillashaw and Aljamain Sterling, Islam Makashev and Charles Oliveira. They kind of went back and forth a little bit. Uh, Sean O'Malley and Peter Yan. Like, it, it really wasn't bad. It was pretty entertaining, and again, at the end, they did their face-offs. So that's all in the books because, again, they, they're 11 hours ahead of us over there. So this is the day that you would normally see this type of thing around 3 or 4 p.m. here locally in Las Vegas. But what did you think goes of uh, everything that's taken place so far? Are you observing anything? Are you just kind of enjoying it, popcorn and, and, and soda? What's the deal? I think the biggest stuff that's captivated me has nothing to do with the actual fights. It's come between Alexander Volkanovsky and Charles Oliveira. This is like um, this is borderline hilarious to me that some of the talk that's been coming out. But the latest here, okay, is Charles Oliveira is telling Volkanovsky if he gets past Islam Makachev, let's you know Dana already said Volk is next, which I think is kind of wild, but all right, whatever. He says after that fight. I'm going to drop back down to featherweight and fight you again one month later in Australia. This to me is comical. I mean, I like Alexander Volkanovsky's reaction to it. He's like, man, that just doesn't seem like to make much sense, but I'm down. And I love that. You know, chances are if they, it's just, oh my God, it it just ain't going to happen. But boy, is it fun to even think about. It's fun to throw that stuff out there. And I like Volkanovski's attitude. It's just, man, I like featherweight Volkanovski. I don't want to see lightweight Volkanovski. Yeah, and, and even worse than that, I don't want to see featherweight Oliveira because that's the uh, Oliveira that used to miss weight and kind of was a an average featherweight. He wasn't even like a great featherweight. Like, oh, man, if he could only make weight, boy, was he unstoppable. It wasn't even like that at all. He was losing. He was getting his butt kicked. In fact, he used to get his butt kicked at 55. Then he used to get his butt kicked at 45. And then guess what? He came back at 55, and now he's a fucking monster who I totally respect. But Oliveira, please just stay there and just keep being the monster that you are in the UFC's marquee division. I know I say Bantamweight's my favorite division. It is. But the marquee division, the one with the most superstars and probably the most pay-per-views to be sold, is 155 pounds. Gagey, Poirier, Makashev, used to be Habib, Conor McGregor, for crying out loud. Tony Ferguson, although he is dipping his toe in 170, but you know what I mean. Those that that's it. Hang around there, make a bunch of money. You've already whooped some of the masses. Now you can start whooping them for the second time, and 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 make up for all those purses that you had to give away 20% because you didn't miss, you didn't make weight, 
or the win bonuses because you lost. Enjoy it, but don't go down to 145 and stop telling fairy tales about how you're going to do this, and then two months later you're going to do it. Get out of here, man. Like, come on. you know That's like the equivalent of somebody calling in and going, hey, I am an astronaut, and I listen to you guys every day, and we're up in the space station, you know, hovering 80,000 miles above Earth. Hey, I got a wild idea. You guys should do a show up there. And me and Goes go, you know, that ain't a bad idea. We're going to look into it. Come on. You know, like, it's just, it's out there. Forget about it. Um, I, I, If I was Oliveira, I'd be locked in on January, Goes. It's like January 20th, 13th. I don't know, somewhere around there. But it's three months away. If he can get past Makachev now, fight someone. But in Brazil, why do you want to go to Perth? I don't know, man. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very transparent here. I picked Oliveira and staff picks. I don't think he's gonna win. I did it out of respect because I have disrespected this guy so much in going against him that I feel like a fucking fool to put another name down at this point. That's the only reason I did it. However, I actually think Islam Makashev is gonna win this fight. Um if Oliveira won, it wouldn't shock me. But I don't I don't hate on Oliveira, man. Like all these dreams, all these things that he throws out there. Who are we to tell him what to do at this point? Like he is really taking command of his career. He's knocking off fucking juggernauts, guys. Juggernauts, former title holders. Um, I can't stand in this guy's way very much. I get it, it is silly, but I really can't get in his way because he 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 is he's doing everything he's saying he's gonna do. I agree with everything you said except one thing. Hmm. You said, who are we to tell him what to do? Yeah. I'll tell you who we are. We're the guys that watch the miss weight at 145 pounds. So whether you want to fight in Brazil, Abu Dhabi, Perth, in two months, five months, eight months, 12 years, have at it. I get it. 55, 70, whatever. But when you're telling me you want to go back down to 145, I got a problem with that. You used to miss weight. Plus, you've gotten a lot bigger since then. So. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 that's the only thing I would tell Oliver. Like, stop it, stop it. Forget about one forty-five, dog. Like, you had your chance, didn't work out. We got a beast at one hundred forty-five pounds. Let him defend a few more times, and at some point, you guys want to collide. Okay, you know, you know what I would listen to, goes. This is what I would listen to. If Oliver were to go, all right, how about we meet in the middle at one fifty? I'd go. Mm. Okay, you know, let's check in with Dolce or Heather from the PI or whoever and find out, you know, maybe maybe we got something there. Now, the, the, the bummer is it's not for a title for either guy, but I bet you if you write enough zeros on the end of that check, both guys would do it for a super fight. Maybe BMF 2.0, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. I would listen to 150, but no. And plus... We're coming off an event where he had to get stripped because he couldn't even make 155 in Arizona. Yeah, I get it. There's a Muppet down there that runs that commission that probably fucked it all up, and that's why he doesn't have two more title defenses if he were to win Saturday. I get it. But either way, he was still cutting it close because other people made weight. You know, other people figured True. it out. True. So, uh, yeah, that that's the part where Oliveira does get a little bit of an eye roll. Like, yeah, don't don't bring up 145. You know, that, that's, that's silly talk right now. Focus on making 155. Focus on beating Makashev, and then we'll do it. Now, what I've noticed is fighters do tend to just throw stuff out there, and I think they follow the blueprint of Dana White. 
of just just say it, just say it. And then when someone checks you on it later, you only have to survive for like two minutes before you go, next question. You know, what are we gonna talk about this all day? Next question. And that's all you get. So you can almost you can almost tell fairy tales in this sport all you want because when someone checks you on it, you know, you don't have to reply if you don't want to, but when you have to, you can just yell at them, curse them, curse at them, and then just go, next question. When we were talking about GSP, all I could think of was if they told GSP a week before his fight, hey, you want to walk with a lion? I think he would say, no. Why would I do that? So maybe there is still a little bit of that young Oliveira that would miss weight, that mindset. Maybe there's still a little bit there. What I am hearing about Volkanovsky is if – actually, I still haven't heard a clear answer. What I'm hearing, though, is if one of those two doesn't make weight, I think it does sound like it'll be Volkanovsky. But what I heard was Dana saying that Volkanovsky's next. Right. So but that's, him, that's the whole reason. Made him at least cut the line and be next. So Benil is not next if he wins. It's Volkanovsky. But what I still haven't heard that I'm clear about, although if Dana's excited about him being next, then why wouldn't he be excited about him being the guy if on Saturday one of those guys slips on a banana peel? But that's Henry Cejudo's whole point. He's saying, if you know you're next, why would you put yourself in this situation? Like, I could see if you didn't know you were next, hey, you got you to strike when you get that chance. But you have your chance. Just chill. Let somebody else do it, no? I'll be Volkanovsky. The reason is because, A, I'm a gangster. B, I've kind of cleared 145 out. Not completely. I get it. There's been some replays there with Max Holloway. But if I win on Saturday, then guess who's champion gets pay-per-view points if he defends 155 against the Irishman when he comes back? Me. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm already the champ if I win on Saturday. And... You know, he already put in the work, so he says he gave an honest camp, and that's what not being a bullshitter does. I take Volkanovsky at, at his word. After all the performances he's done, the interviews that he's done, when I look at him, I go, that's a straight shooter right there. I like that guy. It took a while, but he grew on me. But he's a, he, to me, he strikes me as a straight shooter, not a bullshitter or whatever that cuts corners. So I think he really would be one of those guys that is fully prepared for either Makachev or Oliveira. Um, and guess what? If he goes back to Perth, he can decide which one of the two is the more popping fight. So I think that's how he's looking at it. But, yeah, I get it. As fans and media, we're looking at it as, man, one of these divisions is going to be on hold. It never works out. Yeah. I would I would take him to the old folks' home and say, look around. How many gangsters you see here? Gangsters don't survive. What? Gangsters don't survive. They have their moments, but they're not in it for the long oh, run. Oh, oh. Always a bad decision. You mean because they always go to jail or wind up dead? Gangsters. They always, they always push it too far, and something happens. So, be a gangster, roll the dice. All right, man. But that that ain't long run talk. Who's next at one forty five for him? Emmett is the name out there. Um, that he still hasn't fought, right? Right. He mopped Arnold Allen's undefeated, I think. Uh, he's got Cater next, yeah. Uh, 
But if he's already beaten Ortega, Holloway, the zombie. zombie. Uh, and then you got your Bryce Mitchells, your Evolevs, and whoever else who hasn't really. So th- what I'm thinking is maybe Wolkanovsky's saying, hey, I love Featherweight. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not making a lot of cash here because my opponents aren't big names. Whereas if I go to 55, there's McGregor, there's Gagey, there's Chandler. Like those are possible million dollar pay per views. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe he's looking at it that way. Uh, aside from Champ Champ. And, you know, like now you can start talking to me and putting me in the GOAT conversations or pound for pound conversations. You know, it might be a little bit of that, too. It's part of it, man. But, I mean, for as great as Max Holloway was at featherweight, he did not look very good at lightweight. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a difference. He's not one of those like really big featherweights where you could go, oh, okay, so here's what he's going to do. He's just going to put on a little muscle. Like he's kind of jacked at featherweight. So he's just going to give up too much going up at lightweight. I, I don't understand the move. Legacy, I think, is what it is. I don't know. We'll see. We hope everyone makes weight. At least I do, right? Right, guys? Yeah. I want to see Oliveira versus Makachev. And now I want to see Darius versus Gamron. Because if Darius did step in, that means we lost Makachev versus Oliveira. We do get Darius versus the guy that didn't goof, either Makachev or Oliveira. But we don't get Makachev and Oliveira, and we don't get Gamro and Darius. So that's the part that's a bummer. Because it's not like Wokonofsky will go, oh, well, I'll fight Gamro now. I don't think he would do that. He's just moving mm-hmm. to 55 or the possible glory because this is the vacant title. You know, that's all I can think of. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's the clarity that we've gotten so far, folks. It does sound like of the two, it would be Volkanovski for any mishap on Saturday, and then going forward next for the winner of Oliver Rizmakashev or whatever two fighters wind up doing the dance. If it doesn't involve Volkanovski, then Volkanovski gets the winner, probably in Perth, Australia. He's from Australia. He's from the other side of Australia, but still, either way, Australia is Australia. So. What's interesting about it is all the possibilities because you got one Brazilian who probably wants to fight in Rio de Janeiro, an Australian that wants to fight in Perth, a guy that used to be at 45 threatening to go back to 45, you know, and and, and a guy that's at 45 that wants to go to 155. So tons and tons of possibilities for sure. That's why the UFC needs to learn from this and keep making the cards this deep where there's so much to talk about. Agreed. Well, this one's a little out of control, but yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad, they were pretty entertaining at the dais as well, as were Sean O'Malley and Peter Young. What I've gotten from Sean O'Malley is he does have some pretty cool moments where he talks his mind. He usually has a crowd behind him, and so he can kind of get away with saying whatever he wants. He's got his own look. He's confident. But there are times where I see him where he struggles, he giggles, and then he goes, well, how about this? I'm going to kick Peter Young's ass on Saturday. Is that a better answer? Like, So he has these moments of like innocence, like I'm a young guy. Maybe I'm not the smoothest talker after all. But guess what? I'm still a pretty badass fighter. I was laughing at, at John Anik. Poor John Anik has got to prepare for all these fights and everything. And on top of that, he's the guy in Dana White's position. That if something happens between these fighters when they're head to head, it's on him, I guess. 
he's got to deal with that shit too because Peter Yan threw a pretty vicious uh, shove towards uh, Sean O'Malley. And again, I know I don't want to sound like I'm the most boring dude on the planet, but remember the shove that uh, Jeremy Stevens gave Jacquard close? Hey, man, you you want to keep losing fights? Like you never know when this is gonna happen. You know, in, in that regard, then I then John Anik doesn't pass the test because he should be at least putting his arm in between the fighters. He was just standing there like, "Ooh, I'm in, I'm in row, row A. It shouldn't be his job. That, no, I get it. But if he is there, job. If he is there, then he needs to probably wedge himself, right? Right. Because it's not Sean Shelby's job either. He's a matchmaker, right. but at times he has to stand there. And when he didn't do it right, Dana came at Sean Shelby and said he did it wrong. And mm-hmm. then. If you, if you remember, we used to joke around that John Anik and Dave Schaller looked like twins. Dave Schaller was the guy that was in between John Jones and, and Daniel Cormier. He couldn't stop it, and so a brouhaha ensued. That said, I'm well aware that those guys are way bigger guys than Peter Young versus Sean O'Malley, but to Goza's point, even a shove can hurt somebody. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's ridiculous to even think that that should be the guy in control of that situation like just fucking have security one guy on each guy and let that's their job let them handle it yeah so there was a shove and o'malley just kind of ate it and said ah he kind of giggled it off or whatever then he kept saying you're five five not five seven peter yon did call him a poodle though if i'm not mistaken but he calls himself a poodle now so it's like oh he does yeah oh sean o'malley wasn't winning the verbal warfare and neither was sean brady because out in Abu Dhabi, there's a pro Middle East backing, a pro um, Islam religion backing, and mm-hmm. Islam the fighter, or I guess I could put it and say Muslim backing, whatever. Uh, so those guys were getting the loudest pops, you know. And it sounds like obviously we're a lot closer to Russia than America. So even Peter Yan was definitely sounding like a more popular fighter than Sean O'Malley. Peter Yan next to Aljamain Sterling was pretty interesting. I think they've passed themselves joked jokingly in a couple embedded now, and they're kind of giggling it off or whatever. But I still don't feel like they're best friends. I just think from Peter Yan's perspective, he's probably like, "Well, what do you want me to do? I already lost to the guy. It's just not much I can do here other than beat the poodle, and then we'll worry about Sterling." But I still don't believe he'll be next if Sterling wins and Yan wins. I don't think they're going to do the part three. I don't think so either. Right away. I think Jan has to win a couple fights, but, you know, maybe Dillashaw wins. And if that's the case, then maybe Jan does slip in there. But uh, Bantamweight, tons and tons of possibilities. Let's not forget Marlon Vera is somewhere around. You know, mm-hmm. he just he just beat Dominic Cruz. So I know he's got to take an interest in it, interest in this as well. Um. I, I suppose that would be, let me see, Corey Sanhagen. I mean, he's bounced back from the Dillashaw and, Rob, sorry, Dillashaw and uh, Sterling wins. Sorry, losses. So I think Corey Sanhagen is probably another guy we can, you know, possibly start to put in that mix. But uh, like I say, the division's got a lot going for it. Yeah. All right. So if you didn't hear us earlier, Goes and I will be hosting a watch along for UFC 280 Saturday noon eastern 9 a.m pacific just go to the website at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific on saturday and you can link up with us for the watch long we'll be with you guys for nine fights let's catch up with fabian edwards so he's a bellator middleweight his brother leon edwards is the ufc welterweight champ fabian edwards is his 
bigger but younger uh, brother. Bigger in the sense that he fights at 185 pounds, and he's got a fight coming up next weekend. All right, next weekend. That's when he'll uh, he'll he'll be he'll be facing Charlie Ward um, and trying to capitalize on the Lyoto Machida big win that he had uh, earlier this year. So we're back with Fabian Edwards. What's going on, Junkie Nation? We get to talk to Fabian Edwards, man. He is a middleweight who fights who fights for Bellator, and Bellator 287 is coming upon us in Milan, Italy. Fabian, man, I really love the way you broke that streak by taking out a legend in Leota Machida. How good did that feel to get back in the win column and to do it over a legend who's also worn some gold, you know, prestigious gold in our sport? Um, it felt good. It felt good. You know, um, it was a long year and a half going through losses and fight being cancelled and all of that stuff there. So, yeah, it was good to go in there and, and show out in, in front of a London crowd. You know, it, it's been a long time coming. So, yeah, it was happy to break that little streak. And, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling a good spirit now, you know. Yeah, and you had started off, you know, on a winning streak. You know, you had never lost. Yeah. You hit the speed bumps. And now you're back in the in the wing column. You got Charlie Ward coming up. But I wanted to ask you, if you had to attribute the two losses that came together, was it just a period of time? Because it actually relates to the pandemic as well. Yeah. Um, but 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 at the same time, we all went through the pandemic. So I want to ask you, what would you relate the, the speed bumps that you hit that now it appears you've corrected and now you're moving on to maybe another 10 fight, eight or nine fight? Yeah. Um... I don't know to be honest. You know, when I when I fought in America, I never had my corner team with me. You know, what I mean, I never had my brother, my striking coach, my wrestling coach. Um, and when you're going for a fight and it's not going your way, you need a team there. You know, so I learned from that. And I don't know. I don't know how to string it to because I always train hard. You know, what I mean, I always I'm always first in the gym, last one out. So I don't know why it was, but whatever it is, I felt like I've corrected it. You know. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I did ask about the pandemic because uh, there were times where there was different types of shutdowns between our country, your country, visas. And I can only imagine that at the same time, forget about the physical side, right? Obviously, you get down. You know, you have your win streak, the win over Lyoto. Your gym has a lot of success. But at the same time, mentally, did did all that kind of stuff mess with you uh, as well? Like cancellations, the pandemic, visa issues. Things like that. And I'm sure yeah. I've seen the passion between you and your brother that you share for each other. So yeah. at the same time, if something's happening there, it might affect you and vice versa. Yeah, it could it could have been. You know what I mean? It could have been um in the back of my mind, you know. So even with the training, the training was here and there. We, we were having to train in like random little gyms. And obviously the coaching system wasn't as it should have been because obviously the pandemic. So like the, the, um, the gyms and everything was a bit scattered, you know. So... Yeah, I think I think that could have been something to do with it, you know. That makes me overtraining, and I don't know, but I feel like whatever it is is behind me now. I feel like I've I feel like I've found my groove now, you know. Do you feel like you even come close to hitting your peak? I believe you're 29 years old. Your opponent's mm-hmm. 41. They yeah. say that that men can go from 27 to 33 
in their peak and in some of the sports that I used to follow or play, you know, like basketball, football, whatever. I feel like fighting, man. I've seen some I've seen some 40-year-olds win titles. Yeah. I've seen some 22-year-olds win titles. But how, how would you feel physically as far as your peak? Have you even gotten there? Um, personally, I don't think so. You know, um, I started the sport at 22. You know, like before that, I didn't even know what MMA was. Actually, yeah, I, I didn't follow MMA. So, um, like, I feel like I'm just about scratching the surface of it. You know, so I feel like my best performances, even though I've had good ones, I think they're all um, in front of me. You know, and everyone's going to see that come, like, the next few years. Tell me about the popularity of the Edwards brothers yeah. and, you know, MMA in general in the UK. We know that, obviously, huge boxing country, lots of world yeah. champions. I know about football. Trust me, I got my little Manchester <laughs> United there. I'm a fan yeah, of Manchester yeah, yeah. United. But what about MMA, man? You guys have both had some great KOs this year. And of course, every day, you know, the, the during the pandemic, our sport grew a lot as well. So, tell me, uh, how big is it over there? Not it's grew loads. You know, what I mean, it's definitely grew loads. Um, I feel like me and my brother Leon, um, we're definitely the front runners, especially in Birmingham. So, and since that KO that my brother delivered, and since my KO as well over um, a legend like that, it's um, it's definitely got more popular. You know, what I mean, in Birmingham especially, like you go out, people people tend to stop you and congrats you and you know so it's a good thing it's not as big as, as it is in america but it's getting there fabian i want to talk about this last fight that you had just because yeah. so much training goes into what you guys do and this fight went pretty perfect for you i mean you went in you were yeah. in and out but what i wanted to ask yeah. was did you get that release that fighters talk about once <laughs> that fight happens or did you still have like pent-up energy at the end of the fight yeah, I never got the release, you know. <laughs> like, I never got the release. I was saying, I wish I wish the ref let me carry on a little bit, you know what I mean? But obviously, the fight was finished. So I wish I could have got a bit, like, two more punches in and I probably would have been satisfied, you know. But um, I think with this fight, because Charlie's a tough guy, or he appears to be tough, I think I'll be able to get the release in this fight, you know. You know, Charlie's a very aggressive fighter. Um, mm. Is that music to your ears, knowing that this guy's going to come forward and not stop? It is music. Like I said, I think with this fight, I feel like I've feel like i had a, I feel like after the fight, I'm going to feel like I've had a well-deserved meal in, in that, you know what I mean? In that sense, I feel like this fight's going to be a fight where I can sit back and be like, uh, yeah, that's, that's the release that I was after, you know, because hopefully Charlie can take what I'm going to be giving him and keep coming forward. I know for that last fight, you kind of, you didn't really uh, tell us the exact prediction, but you kind of gave us an idea of what it was you were going to do. For this yeah. one, do you already have it played out in your head? And I guess without giving away too much of your strategy, do you know how this one's ending? If I'm honest, um, like I say, Charlie is a tough guy, but there's only so far toughness can go, you know what I mean? And he got wobbled by a random kid in his last fight, you know what I mean? The, the guy had Charlie on a little bit of skate, so... Personally, I can see it being like like a second round stoppage. Honestly, Charlie's there to be hit, and I'm going to be hitting hard. You know, I pointed out the the advantage you hold in terms of youth, 29 to 41. Mm. You also have a six-inch reach advantage. Could this possibly even be a step back from Lyoto? Like, shouldn't it kind of be going in the other direction? Was it more yeah. about staying busy? Do you have a problem with the matchup? If I want, like, personally, I didn't want the matchup. You know what I mean? Like, Personally, I wanted, once the fight was finished, 
I asked for um John Salter because he was like ranked in front of me at the time. Right. I asked for um I seen that obviously after Masasi lost, I asked for the Masasi fight. You know, so you know, I mean, I never asked for the Charlie fight. I didn't want the Charlie fight, if I'm honest. You know, what I mean, I want I wanted um I wanted those two fights, and obviously that was that was what that was what was put on the table for me. So I thought, you know, for okay, I got to eat. Musasi would be nice, man. You could call yeah. it a, a legend killer tour or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's held obviously prestigious belts in multiple organizations. Um, all right. Let's go back to Lyoto. As much as the left cross was nice, the ground and pound was vicious, you snuck in a knee, right? That it, it, it because yeah. it wasn't full thrust, it maybe might have escaped some people, but is that basically what started the started initially? Like, did you feel him get folded by the knee prior to starting to throw hands? Yeah, it was. You see, when you look at them, little, like them little details there, because people just see the elbow and the left hand, you know what I mean? But before that, it was the little sneaky knee up the middle. Yeah. And then there was a little frame underneath. I don't know if you guys seen it. There was a little frame um, um, under his chin to then the elbow. You know what I mean? So it's these little tiny details that we practice in the gym. And when it just comes by second nature without even thinking about it, it's a beautiful thing to watch, you know? So, yeah, that's part of that one. Will your brother be at your fight? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in Abu Dhabi. No, he's in Dubai now, but he's going to Abu Dhabi. Um, he comes back on, I think, Sunday or Monday. Yeah. So he, he'll be flying out next Wednesday with me and um, the team, you know? Yeah, I saw him out there and in Dubai yeah. and saw the whole Jamaica thing going on with uh, yeah. the I thought that was pretty cool. And I, and I guess yeah. I wanted to, to go to that part as well. Um, as much as bringing MMA to England and Birmingham more specifically, is Jamaica also kind of on the list of, you know, your dream locations of, of where to fight? If not, what what would be dream locations for you for your next three fights, we'll say? Yeah, Jamaica would definitely, definitely be like a thing, you know what I mean? Because <clears throat> there'll definitely be a, a main location I would love to go back and just to like just to show the people down there, look, you came from here, you know what I mean? You guys can can dream this big and, and achieve it, you know what I mean? But um, I like to do one a home show in Birmingham, you know. I like to bring um, Bellator back to Birmingham as the main event, um, London, and probably somewhere in the US. That that'd be that'd be good for me. Here's my last question, and yeah. we thank you for your time today, as always. No, thank you. You know, I, I see some similarities between you and Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler was a successful fighter in Bellator, won some world titles, and then he re-upped with Bellator a few times. He said, the company takes care of me. They pay me well. You recently, mm -hmm. I believe, did the same thing. Yeah. But I also want to ask you, he had a struggle with getting opponents at times, and we talked about how – Salter and, and a few others, you know, fell by the wayside because you wanted to go in a certain direction. Uh, is that something that you took into consideration or was the money too good? Or is that something where Bellator may be on watch? Like, hey, let's stack up this division. You know what I mean? Like uh, the, the middleweight yeah. division so that you can flourish. Um, um, I, I still think there's a nice, there's a good amount of matches for me. You know what I mean? So I wanted three fights this year. That's what I wanted. You know, I managed to get to, um, but at the moment, I haven't really struggled to get opponents. You know, there hasn't been a, a stall or a stale, a stalemate. You know, there's still a few guys in the division that um, I need to fight. You know, um, 
So at the moment, it's good. And plus as well, like I say, Bellator look after us. They do look after us, but you know, my my dream and future aspirations um is to just be a world champion in whichever organization that I'm in or you know. Yep, I hear you. All right, folks, yeah. it all goes down on October 29th in Milan, Italy. And the start time, it's adjusted for us here in North America. 11.30 a.m. is when the festivities get started as we work ourselves to the uh, main event. Fabian Edwards versus Charlie Ward is the co-main event that night. Yeah. You got to check it out. Thank you, Fabian, as always, for your time Thank here you on MMA Junkie Radio. We appreciate it. I wish the cat would have made a cameo. He was kind of funny. <laughs> I know. Pre-video. <laughs> uh, are you are you a dog person too or just cats? Yeah, I got my dog here as well. Coco. Coco. Come here. What Let breed is Coco? Staff cross right. Oh wow. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> Let me see. Can you turn it? Go ahead. Cokes. Yeah, big, that's big, a big dog there. Isn't Look it? at that. What up? <laughs> what cool. up? And the cat yeah. somewhere probably I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. These some mess. And they but get yeah, on pretty cool. good, huh? Yeah, somehow. So I don't know how, but somehow they're, they're okay. going pretty good. <laughs> you never have to get in there like uh, one of the referees and, and, and stop the action. I stop it. Nah, the, the dog tries it a few times, though. You have to like give a little, you know what I mean? I have to give a little reminder, but yeah, they get on pretty well. Yeah, the cats have that uh, flyweight quickness, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you for the time. We'll talk to you soon. No, thank you. Thank you. All right. How funny was that dog and that cat? That was pretty good. I I like his attitude. He's he's so cool. He's so uh, chill. Yeah, you know, I I wanted to not say Leon Edwards mm-hmm. as much as possible, or not at all. That's why I referred to him as his brother, and I wanted to give him the spotlight because, to be fair, man, when he beat Machida, he probably locked up KO of the year for the family. You know, for when when Thanksgiving and Christmas come around. And then Leon Edwards, man, that kick that just rocked the world upside down. He's a major, major star. But, it, you know, those Edwards brothers, they're pretty happy for each other, man. They've been in each other's corner. If you look at Fabian when he finished Leon, I mean, wait, Fabian, when he finished Leoto, Leon was quick to join him, join him up there at the top of the cage and give him a big hug. And then vice versa in Utah, man, Fabian was so happy for Leon. So, Seems like they definitely have been close. If, if you recall the story early on in life, they 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 weren't close. So now they are, and uh, it's amazing how uh, that duo is performing right now. Yeah, they they feed off of each other. I actually saw a video this morning. And I was laughing because Leon Edwards was playing a video game as himself mm-hmm. against uh, a female. I was playing with Kamaru Usman, and he knocked Kamaru Usman out. And he was probably just as happy that he did it in the video game as he did in real life. Uh, but those guys have a lot of energy. They're a lot of fun, and I love that they they represent England. But more importantly, they kind of they really rep that Birmingham area, right? Yes, it's right in the middle of the country. It's where Duran Duran's from. It's where Princess Diana's from. So uh, it's above London. It's north of London. It's west of sorry, east of Manchester and Liverpool. And uh, but it's not yet to the top where Newcastle and scotland are i think they're i think that area is called the midlands but anyway Mm -hmm. hopefully they do get themselves a fight in that area um so he can kind of put that area on the map i mean not everything should be in london and not everything should be in manchester to be fair they have gone to liverpool once i can't remember if they've been anywhere between besides those three cities oh i take it back goes i think 
BJ Penn defended a title against Joe Stevenson in Newcastle, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. All right. So they've been to a couple, a couple different places. Goes, did Leon Edwards basically, I don't know if we've talked about this, and it's a damn shame if we haven't, but did Leon Edwards just basically snatch the KO of the title away from Michael Chandler, who snatched it away from Molly McCann? Uh, Those are probably the three most popular and violent KOs of the year, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Meatball gets shoved aside. Because that spinning elbow was huge. And that that England card, that London card was amazing. They hadn't been to London in a while. Remember, a lot of England fighters, English fighters won. She timed it perfectly. She was great on the mic. Patty won his fight. So we're all going, oh, man, like that's up there. Remember this one. And then Chandler, dude, just, I mean, it was like somebody building one of those uh, deck of card houses. Mm-hmm. And when he hit him in the chin with the foot, just the way Tony collapsed, I was like, ooh, I think that's the KO of the year. But Leon was spot on in a clutch moment against the most indestructible guy in the sport at the time. I think so that's the big thing. with the title, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But Leon's not as popular as Chandler. That's the other thing. Sometimes it's a popularity contest. Yeah, but it, it, it's, um, you know, you just kind of went through the criteria. But the one thing that really sticks, uh, sticks out is Kamaro was so indestructible, you know, versus Tony's had these types of moments before, right? Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think you got to give it to Leon. Yeah. Let's finish with a little bit of a different. I'm gonna throw you a curveball right now, and then we'll wrap up the show. So Mike Bond and Farah Hanu, follow them on social media. They are just killing it out there, catching up with a ton, a ton of fighters. And I just saw a story go up. It looks like Mike Bond catches up with Joanna Janjacek, mm-hmm. the former strawweight queen. Now I haven't read the whole article because I just saw this as we were talking, but it says. She thinks it's too early for her to go in the Hall of Fame. First of all, I don't know anyone that ever says that. If anyone thinks you're going to the Hall of Fame and you're going in right away, you just write it because you don't want to be like Jens Pulver, who I think belongs in the UFC Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and yet the guy's still not in it. Look how close we cut it with the Ultimate Warrior goes. He got in the WWE Hall of Fame, and I'm not a big mark here when it comes to pro wrestling, but I I observe, right? Mm-hmm. That guy was super popular. After Hulk Hogan, that guy was pretty close, you know? and I know he had some problems, but then they everything comes around full circle. Everyone's friends. He gets inducted into the Hall of Fame like three or four years ago. People are like tearing up, crying. Good for them. Good for Vince. Good for the Warrior and all you know, hunky dory. And a year, a week later, he passed away. Yeah, but he did get to enjoy that moment. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Then when the widow and the kids go up and they have to receive it on behalf, like that Bruce Connell guy. I think he's a producer for the UFC and he passed away. And, yeah, his family received it on his behalf, and that was cool. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. But you would think the person wants to be around when mm-hmm. that kind of uh, – that's bestowed on them, right? But so I understand her reasoning, Pulver, though. Like Jen's Pulver needs to be in, for starters. And if they're telling Joanna, hey, girl, it's you. You know, like, I think I'd be like, let's do it. But her reasoning is makes sense, you know. She said that her last camp was – she felt was her best camp so she feels like she could still maybe do stuff and i thought it was kind of funny she just said she doesn't want to feel like like an old grandma you know she's like i'm 35 i I still think i have a little bit left in me so 
So she's not retired. Huh? So she's not retired. Well, she didn't really say that, but those were her words that she she's 35. She doesn't want to be an old grandma. And that's why she doesn't like hearing the whole the the whole Hall of Fame now. Which is what I kind of sensed. I was actually talking about this with the guys on the uh, rankings talk. And I said, you know, we just crossed six months since she retired. And usually if a fighter gives hints or whatever, then I'll tend to leave them in the rankings just for that one, you know, chance that they may come back. I try and watch and see if they're out of the USADA pool or if they've turned in their retirement papers, if they're cut from the roster. It looks like she was removed from the roster. I don't know if she's still in the USADA pool or not, but uh, I, I, I think she still had a lot of fight left. It just so happens she just kind of came up against Zhang Weili, who had her number. Well, the first fight was close, you know, but the second fight she got she got wrecked, you know. But I'll tell you this, and I know this sounds terrible, but if you told me, go or George, you were in a coma. You just woke up. A lot of shit went down. Now it's Joanna versus Carla tonight. I just woke up from my coma. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? And tonight, Carla and Joanna were fighting. I might favor Joanna. Yeah. Yeah, that's not crazy. Yeah. I might do the same. Yeah, because if she stops that takedown, she's going to light her up like she did before. Now, it's terrible to say because Carla has gone through so much and proven so much and gotten better and won the title. No one deserves the 2.0 label more than Carla Esparza. But, man, she's just getting disrespected. A lot of people feel like UFC 281, Jean Weili's going to put it on her. But I don't know. She's a tough woman, man, for sure. So let's put that to the side. Let me ask you. Here's the pivot. Here's the here's the the changeup. Tyron Woodley and Misha Tate. Do they belong in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yes. For Tyron Woodley, it comes down to title defenses. For, um, uh, for Misha Tate, it's everything she did at Strike Force, plus yeah. what she did at the UFC. Uh, she's part of a great, iconic moment in women's mixed martial arts. Yeah. She's coached tough. She's done just about everything you could possibly do, even changing weight classes. So, um, yeah, I'm down. I think she deserves it. Yeah, two major titles is big, and then Tyron with the with the UFC title reign and the four title defenses. I, I agree. Um, what I would say is I'm not sure that their first ballot, meaning the first year they retire, they're eligible, which for Tyron, I think that would have actually been this year. Um, I can't remember when they actually cut him compared to when he took that last loss to Luque. And then with Tate, she's still fighting. She went away for a few years, and then she came back. Um, so she's still technically fighting. But when she left for one championship, if she really had hung him up, I think she's eligible because of the two titles that have been won. The problem is, again, first ballot right away, no. But get in there. And, I, and again, I'm starting the initiative to get Jens Pulver in there, man. Dude, this was a 135-pounder who won a 155-pound belt, and he beat some good names. And at the time, when there really wasn't much of a lightweight division, he was the best. There's just no way around it. He was the best, and he had some title defenses. You got to give him some respect. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. It was a whole, for two years, I think it was a decent campaign. I know he went to the PI. He actually gave Dana that belt. I don't know if you remember that belt. It's a real special belt, and Dana has it now, so... Man, it's just weird. It really is weird that he's not in there. So it's different from the belt that he took with us to the... Um... No, that's the belt. Oh, so the belt that he took 
to the military with us. Mm-hmm. He's now giving that to Dana White. Yeah, I gave it to him a couple years ago. Wow. I think. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Would Would you do that? Is that Is that his only belt? I wouldn't do that. No. Me neither. I think I'd find another gift <laughs> if I wanted to give it to him. But that one, I'd say I own it. But you can display it. Oh like, yeah, I, I, mean, cool. I, I think maybe that's what he did. Yeah. I would imagine he did that. He might have just given it to him, but uh, Dana but don't need no gifts. He's got a lot of cool gifts. I don't think I think you, I don't think you can wow him much anymore. Us, sorry, me and Rick Rosen. You know Rick Rosen. We walked in there with some pretty cool memorabilia. It was really Rick's, and it caught Dana's attention. He just wasn't willing to buy it. Um, but you can tell that there's there's not much that makes Dana go, "Wow, cool shit." For me, like. You know, what are you going to do? He, he can afford anything, basically. But certain memorabilia, one of them was um, a Duke ticket Duke stub Kong. from Dooku Kim, oh, Kim versus yeah. uh, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. That changed the whole – that's an important fight in boxing. Well, for one, Dooku Kim lost his life. Two, it was a great fight. Not the fact that he lost his life, but it was a great fight. Three, it changed – um title defenses from 15 rounds to 12 rounds now now it's 12 rounds but boxing matches used to go 15 rounds so like that was pretty historical and then he also had i think a ticket from muhammad ali versus Inoki. or i think he did have that but i thought he had Hagler hearns with him that day Hagler hearns he had something from that as well and you could just tell Dana was touching it, kind of like, wow, like this is badass, man, you know? Mm-hmm. But the problem was he was selling it with a pair of boxing gloves that, um, well, for me, I think they're fucking badass. They've been signed by like 60 world champions. They were only missing of the big names up until about three, four years ago. Joe Frazier, who unfortunately passed away. Marvin Hagler, who I think passed away too, right? Yeah. Um. There was one other one that seemed like a layup. Like, why didn't you get that one? He's around here all the time. So let's just say someone like an Oscar. But I think Oscar's on him. And then, it was like a Zab Judah or someone like that. You're right. It was yeah. somebody that's here a lot. Yeah, but someone where you're like, you haven't gotten that one yet? you know. And uh, But Hagler moved to Italy. And Joe Frazier, I guess, is more of a Philly guy. But I think we could have gotten Joe Frazier through Burt Watson. And then Hagler, I did spot in Vegas a few times, and I sent him a text. But... I guess he couldn't get to him or something, but there was four major fighters that he hadn't gotten. But other than that, he had them all. Goes Hopkins, Ali, Liston. I mean, he had some old school ones. And Dana looked at him. He just didn't agree on the price. But I'm like, how can you call yourself a boxing guy, play $50,000 a hand, and not want to help out this old guy that's just looking for a little bit of dough? You know, like you could help him out a ton, but you would have a really fucking cool give. You've seen those gloves. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, all right, with that, I think we better get on out of here. Last reminder, UFC 280, Goes and I are hosting a watch-along on Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, early start time. Don't forget, the fights are in Abu Dhabi, so prime time to them means early start for us, 9 a.m. on the Pacific time, 12 p.m. on the Eastern time zone. And that'll get you the four last fights on the prelims, we call them the featured prelims, and the five cards on the pay-per-view it'll be fun like always eric nixick head coach 
one of the head coaches at Extreme Couture and the general manager. He'll be with us for a while, and I think we might have one more guest as well. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I think John Orlando is going to join us as well, guys. Nice. Okay. Folks, have a good weekend. Keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week. The weekend, we got tons of coverage of UFC 280, the best card on paper for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Shout out to Mike Bowen and Fada Hanun who are out there covering it for it. And we'll talk to you all on Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for the Watch Along. Until then, go out and be a champion.